Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Leadership Lean In. This is uh, a very exciting uh, episode. Is that what we call these episodes? Um, I am joined by some of my favorite people in the world. I think you're going to really enjoy them. Hey, as always, I want to give a huge shout out and a huge thank you to everyone that has been liking and commenting. Thank you for subscribing on YouTube to check this out. Um, we're trying to do our best to deliver great guests and great content. I thought the last episode with Pastor Jensen Franklin, if you missed that one, you got to go back and check it out. As always, uh, we want to do our best job to invest in the leaders. Uh, Leadership Leaning really started with the idea of saying, let's get some people around the table and lean in, discuss trying to improve and get better at our leadership skills. By no means, I'm about to turn 40 years old, people. <laughs> we are one month away from turning 40. By no means am I suggesting that we have it all figured out. But what I realize about any subject is the more you lean into it, or any relationship, the more you lean into it, it leans into you. So we're leaning into leadership, leaning into wisdom, trying to get a little bit better. So today... We are joined by three of uh, the greatest, I think, especially in our context, because some of the three of the best leaders that I know uh, lead at a very, very high level in our context at Zoe Church, <clears throat> four years old, <laughs> four year anniversary, just happened last week. Happy birthday, Zoe. And uh, these three have been a part of the church since before it started, when it was really just announced and it was an idea. And... Uh, kind of, so to speak, sold everything you had, moved to LA and uh, gave it all up to build God's house. So yeah. uh, all three of you, I respect a great deal. And I've known for a long time and have all, I always think it takes hard work to reinvent yourself mm -hmm. and to evolve and to grow with an organization. And I've watched all of you guys go from literally 11 people in our living room yeah. to now a significant amount of people yeah. doing a great work here in LA. So I will introduce you, uh, nicknames and all. Yep. Oh, geez. <laughs> here they come. Here comes number one. She is no stranger to the Leadership Lean In <laughs> podcast. She is uh, Leadership Lean In's Tanya Rad. Oh, or is the other one Sissini? Great compliment. Is that Sissini's yeah. the other one? Yeah. Erica, the boss, Bosco, is on the, yeah, I think a good clap. Uh, we'll be hearing from Erica. We love Roman and Erica. Roman and Erica are getting ready to lead our East location. Yeah, let's go. Um, let's go. Launching very soon. We're so excited about that. We have over here Nate Doom Lau. And uh, <laughs> I will call him by his nickname, Nate Dog. And I've known Nate Dog since he was a high schooler and really have seen him just grow into an incredible father, incredible husband, leads our college, is a phenomenal preacher. Yeah. Think about yeah. Nate uh, that is so scary good about him is he's funny. He's not just very, very, very self-deprecating. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. self-deprecating. You have the best self-deprecating yeah. humor, but I think you're very funny, yeah. very intelligent. Julie and I often... Uh, refer to you as the smartest person on our staff, oh gosh. and I believe that about you. We have over here the GM, hey, come the on, the general manager. Uh, you've got the title boss. She's the but actual she's the boss. actual boss. <laughs> we have Kel Dog. Wait, you guys both have dogs. That's not cool. We got to yeah. get more creative around yeah. here. 
We have, oh, no, 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 in my phone. Killing, killing it, it, killing it, it Kelly Eisman. Yeah. She, has, she has two nicknames. Killing it, Kelly Eisman, because yeah. she's always killing it. Kelly, it's great to have you on. This is your first time yeah, on? first time. This is your first time? It is. Oh, my. We got some newbies. Whoa. <laughs> Exciting. I'm nervous. We got some, yeah. we got some fresh rooks. <laughs> Um, I'm going to jump right in today. What we're talking about is um, we brought on some team because I want to talk about team and and uh, part of being a leader is not just leading yourself, but learning how to lead others. And whenever you uh, have a team, there are team dynamics. And, uh, and the, the more we're talking about this actually on Sunday, the more team you have or the more people you have, usually the more mess you have. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's just the reality. The Proverbs that would go with that, the proverb would be where there are no oxen, the trough is clean. So if you don't have anybody on the team, you don't have any problems. But the more team you have, usually the more issues that you have. So I want to talk uh, together. And uh, Nate, we could start with you. What makes a great team? You've been a part of a lot of teams. What, What makes a great team? What makes a great team? I mean, there's so much I can go into making a great team. The teammates, the team lead yeah. makes for a great team. Yeah. And really what that describes is unity. So yeah. making sure there's unity within the team, not just unity within relationships, but unity of vision. Yeah. There's nothing worse than having a team yep. where maybe a teammate has a different vision than the team lead. Wow. Or someone's going to go rogue or sideways. But if right. everyone has the same vision, it doesn't matter the competency. That can get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can yeah. grow. But if there's unity in chemistry and vision, then you're going to have a, a dynamic team that's growing. Yeah. I think another big thing is an inclusive team. Yeah. And yeah. constantly trying to include new members, include and value the ones that are already there. Yeah. You can get caught up in trying to get new people and devalue the ones that are already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so right. making yeah. sure that you're bringing people in. Yeah. But the other side of that is unity and then communication. If yeah. you can have a team that is all about communication, committed to communicate yeah. with each other, committed to to communicate with other teams yeah. and team leads, then you're going to find a really dynamic and powerful team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes with, it doesn't matter the industry or the context no. of team. I want to talk to <clears throat> killing it, Kelly Eisman over here. First timer. <laughs> Kelly, uh, out of this table is the only division one athlete. Yeah. I um, was never an athlete. Played in a, you played in a national championship game. Final four. Final four. Yeah, Two final fours. One final four. One final four. And uh, full ride scholarship, University of Washington, the greatest university Come in on. the history of the Absolutely. world. Uh, go dogs. Um, you played on some really great teams. What, In your opinion, what makes a great team? I mean, I think you said a lot of like the big picture things, you know, just but also being able to lead yourself. If you have a bunch mm. of teammates who are able to lead themselves also and have personal responsibility for, you know, I want to be a part of something you know, a small part of something big. Yep. You know, Great. I think that's that's everything. I want to be a part of a big organization, even if I just play the smallest part. So having vision, having direction, having clear communication. I think a lot of times you find teams and there's no real expectation communicated to the team. The leader's frustrated because yeah. they think they've communicated something and the team's just kind of running right. in all different directions. So when you're, you know, in a spot where the team is, I know the vision. They can all repeat the vision. The vision is yep. clearly something that they can identify that they can teach when it's teachable for your teammates. Yeah, um, I think that's powerful that they can grab onto the vision mm. and teach it to others. I think you're you're building leaders. I think when there's room to be on team, right. I think when there's room to to grow, I think yeah, that's, that's huge. It's it's you said you said being inclusive, but 
it's so easy to say and very difficult. I think it's one of the hardest things to actually implement is making room for people on your team. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you want to just do it yourself. It's quicker. It's easier yeah. if I'm doing it myself. Yeah. Um, but in the reality, in the business we're in, it's all about people in yeah, the business right. we're in. It's how can I get people involved? You know, it changed my life by just serving on a team and being a part of something big, mm. you know, even outside of sports, when we're talking about ministry, it's, it's, we're a part of something. It's the call of God on your life. It's the call of God to serve the local church. Um, so when you have that in mind, you're like, I want to get as many people yeah, involved right. as I right. can because it, it builds your, you know, some people have never been a part of a team environment. Right. So it's something very fresh, very wow. new to people. Mm -hmm. So when you get people involved in that, I think mm. it's it's powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that's so clear when when it's clear. Right. This is where we're going. I think it not only allows the team members that are on the team to really flourish, but you're right. It feels like people can jump in at any point right. and, and it's not like, Hey, you sit back there because we've all been here. Right. Right. It's like when the vision's clear, it's like, Hey, guess what? Anybody can grab this yeah. and be a part of the team. Yeah. Um, and there becomes, I think the team loyalty it really happens when the vision is clear. Right. It's not just because we're on the team. Right. Right. It's like we're working for a championship or we're working yeah. for exactly in our case something bigger than ourselves to see people, you know, come to find freedom right. and, and come to know the Lord. So I, I, I totally agree with that. But I, I think part of being a part of a team is just knowing that conflict's gonna come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the reality is is that the team is usually a ref a reflection of the leader. Yeah. That's kind of the hardest part about leadership <laughs> yeah. is that I wish it was the team's fault, but a lot yeah. of time it's my, yeah. it's my yeah. fault. Right. The team carries my attitude usually, or my dysfunction or, my, you know, the dark side of, there's a dark side to right. every leader. Right. Um, so we're talking about a few things that make a good team. I think it's always important that I always pause and go, well, what could hurt the team? What, mm -hmm. what makes a bad team uh, or a bad teammate, a bad team lead? Erica, what it, you've been a part of a lot of teams and led a lot of different teams yeah. uh, in your career. I start calling it a career. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in your career, it's well, like, you know, in my days, your athletic yeah. career, yeah, yeah, in your athletic, in my career. athletic career. Okay, were you a cheerleader in high school? I think yes, you were. I, I remember was. this. Yeah, in the mm -hmm. valley, right over there. And I, I just have to say on record, I don't think it's a sport. So. Oh, hot take. I'm I want to. Okay, it is a hot take right <laughs> there. Wow. Wow. I don't know if we're going to edit that out. <laughs> um, but what makes a bad team? So that's some yeah. of the things that make a good team. What makes a bad team? Um, I think morale and chemistry and synergy like play a lot into the health of the team. Mm. Um, and I think when you have um, negativity, a bad attitude, yeah. a bad perspective, like mm. if you've ever been in a group text where everyone's saying everyone's cheering everyone excited and then there's one person that like yeah. kills the vibe yep um i think that's what you can do with a team when you don't show up you're not yeah. on time you're yeah. not communicating right. um you don't i think not executing what's expected from you as yeah. a teammate really kills the team as well right um and i think it's the exact opposite of what makes a good team. So yeah. not being able to communicate where you're yeah. at. Hey, I need some help. I don't know how to do that. I don't feel comfortable. Right. Can you train me a little bit more? Um, and then also just not showing up for your teammates. Yep. You know, I always think we get ourselves in trouble when anybody gets bigger than the team. Yeah. Right? yeah. So then we go, okay, this person's talent, this yeah. person's ability. We 
And what's so crazy is the rest of the team knows it. Yeah. Right. The rest of the team's watching going, you're letting this person get away with X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But we're all held, held accountable to a different set of rules. Yeah. Wow. And um, I love the whole thought on teams, character over talent. Yes. Yep. Talent is like, it comes and goes. Talent is, right. is a dime it does. It reminds me of that Proverbs 31 that, you know, beauty is passing, it's, it's fading, but a woman that fears the Lord shall be praised. Yeah. In other words, it's like, it's not about talent. Yeah. Right. right. It's about character. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of teams get themselves in trouble when they're like, um, here are the rules, but we're only going to hold these people yeah, accountable right. to them, but right. not them. And I think teams... One of the things I'm I'm always thinking about is how how does the team feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the chem, you, one of you used the word chemistry. I think that the chemistry of a team might be just as important as the vision of the team. Totally, yeah. right? Yes. Because if the, if 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 that conflict, which I want to talk about conflict, if that conflict gets too, you know, overbearing, too too taxing, uh, the rules. I think great teams aren't great because they have a whole bunch of rules yeah, right. right no you know it's, it, it's almost like less rules more of a value of each other yes and, yep. and the vision and, right. and, and, and things things take off um bad teammates to me are anybody like you said doesn't show up has a bad attitude but starts to think i'm bigger than the rest yeah, of you yeah, yeah and so i can kind of come and go and do what i want i'm no longer leaning into the team i'm leaning right. into self right yeah. that is a dangerous place um, which brings us to any team has conflict. Any team is going right. to have have things that you address. Um, it, it, on a team, you're not always going to win. Yeah. Right. Remember that women's basketball team, uh, UConn, uh, Brianna Stewart and those guys, I think she lost one game in four years. Jeez. Right. Like four-year, you know, uh, player of the year. And, um, you know, just that that is the exception. <laughs> that is right. the, yeah. you're, right. you, you're one in history. Um, most teams struggle. Most mm-hmm. teams plateau. Most teams have a growing pains. Yeah. Most te- Nobody just grows like this. Right. You plateau and then you grow. And with that, as a team, there becomes conflict. Let's talk about conflict on a team. And when when conflict happens in a team, how do you handle that as a team lead and as a teammate? What would you say? How do you handle conflict when it comes in the team? Yeah, I think like first identifying that it's going to come. You're saying when when there's people around, you're going to have issues Um, and not being afraid of that, but hitting that head on. You know, I think it's it's so easy to say someone else will deal with that. But I even think it's a personal challenge of mine to say, you know, it's better for the whole team if I address it early on. I caught it. You know, I'm. I, I care for this person and, re- yep. and realizing that like you care for the people that right. you're right. able to have those conversations right. with. Yes. When right. you're able to have that conversation, it's saying I love you enough to not, not let you stay this way. It could be a blind side that you have no right. idea you're even doing it this way. Um, but yeah, just hitting it head on and yeah. and just caring about the, the whole of the team and knowing that you're not offended. It's not it's not a personal right, it's it. thing. It's we're, we're all here for the same vision and it's, it's pushing the vision forward. It's not being self-centered. It's not self-driven. I'm not a hotheads, you know, saying you're not doing it the way I want you to do right, it, but right, it's right. just saying, you know, this is for the health of the team. Yeah. Yeah. If my heart's healthy, if I'm in a good place, I'm knowing that this is coming out of a, a good, a good spot in general yeah. and just, and just going with your gut on that. Right. Right. Yeah. I always think if someone uh, brings conflict to me, if they have my best interest in mind, I'm so down to listen. Right. right. Yeah. If I can sense you're just trying to just 
blow steam. Exactly. This is about you, not about me. Right. right. And so, like, I'm all ears to somebody that's like, I'm, I want to help you with this. Yeah. I want right. to help serve you. I don't think you notice. I don't think you realize. I don't, I don't know if you understood what was at stake right there right. or whatever it has to be. Um, I, that's got to be the motive. And until yeah. I, oftentimes when I feel like I have conflict with somebody, I'll probably wait a day or two mm-hmm. and sleep on it a little bit. Because right. if I come to it on the moment, right. it's, it's not going right. to come out the way that it could, it could be right. so productive and helpful. Yes. Right. Exactly. So I'll wait a couple of days and then go like, let's sit down. Because now it's not about me and my emotions. Now it's actually about the real issue and right. about right. serving the person. Right. Right. Um, but I always think conflict is not that hard. Because I, the way that we try and look at it, as always, especially, is that conflict is just clarity. Yes. Right. right. Totally. We're just so clarifying yeah. an expectation, clarifying a value, yeah. clarifying, um, you know, where we see this person and how we see life in, in leadership. Um, that is so much easier than going like, you didn't text back. <laughs> right. Or you you dropped the ball. Right. Yeah. It's like it's not right. about the drop ball, it's right. about the right. value that goes behind right. that right. And the principle. Right. And we want to see you go to another level. I also think people can't get better without being addressed. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Like you just I hate when people say, you know, in our context we, we do ministry, and sometimes people will say ministry is caught, not taught. Mm. And I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't see that in Jesus's leadership because Jesus would often teach and he would let the disciples catch it, but then he would go sit alone with them and look them in the eyes and go, do you realize I did this because of this? Right. So he was letting them catch it, but then he was teaching them. And I think we have to address people. We owe it to people. Mm. And I think conflict, actually, if you clarify it well, it builds more trust. Yeah. Right. If it's healthy, you're building so much trust. It's like, wow, so-and-so just corrected me or clarified. Right. And I feel like they love me and they're for me and they're with me. Totally. How do you, how do we, this is a great question. How do you correct people and make them feel better about themselves? When they leave the office, they're going like, man, I, right. How do you do that? Nate, you've got to lead the college. You have to do this nonstop. Nate? I feel like this is every day. But uh, I think when you speak to people's identity, who they're called to be. Yeah. That's so good. Versus what they're maybe going through in the moment. Yeah. And your mistake or your failure or whatever you're going through doesn't define you. And so, you know, communicating and having those conversations, speaking to their potential, to their promise, to their calling, Mm -hmm. to the greatest they can be from the very beginning. Hey, this is not who you are. You're, you're so much better than this. Yeah. I've seen you at a, such a different level. Yeah. And explain to me, give me some understanding. How come yeah. this happened this way? You know, yeah. and all of a sudden you're already starting from a place yeah. instead of at a deficit, you're starting. Hey, I know you're, you've, you're used to being up here. Yeah. And right now you're just operating. Let's, let's get you back. I think you're so much better than this. Yeah. And yeah. speaking vision, life That's potential so over them right away. That's great. And I think if you, like we already said, if you can have the conversation quickly, don't let it build up over time. Now you don't have, you know, a, a debt sheet of like hey, this, this, yeah. this, yeah. this. You know, I think our team is so good at right away identifying and saying, hey, this is just a small thing. Yep. And having the understanding going, this isn't personal. This is right. We're all in the for the organization, the yep. health of the organization. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it. And yeah. understanding that hard conversations aren't really hard. Yeah, to build right. up to the conversation is right. Once you get in them, ninety nine percent of the time you leave going like that was way better than I thought it was. The hard part was just having a conversation, getting right. there in the first place. I, I always uh, love the sandwich method. 
yeah. you know, <laughs> that there's there's some meat in there, but there's a lot of bread. Yeah. You know, I always think if I got to correct somebody, I got to, you know, bring a lot of love on the front and a lot of love on the back. Yep. And a lot of love on the front for me is always trying to identify for people so they know I'm aware of my weaknesses. Yes. Right. So before right. I want to talk to you about this issue, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Right. I realize I have failed you in A. I dropped the right. ball in B. So yeah. I'm yeah. not that good at C. Right. And just me identifying. I think most people have an issue with their leader if they're like, hey, you're talking to me about this, but do you realize that you right. ba, 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 right. ba, right, ba, right, ba. Right. And just the fact that I'm aware of it can sometimes help right. people go, Diffuses okay, it yeah. right I'm away. all so ears. True. Because yeah. you, we can talk about my weaknesses just as long as you're aware that you have yeah. weaknesses. This is a mutual totally. conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. it's it's because it, then it's all about the growth of everybody, right. not just the so growth good. of you. Right. So I think that's really important. Um, it brings me to uh, the next thing I want to talk about, which is the tension, the tension of of micromanaging people. Because mm-hmm. um, leadership is this thing where I got to give a law a long leash. And I got to let people have the room to fail. Yeah, right. And I can't be over their shoulder going, you did this wrong. Why is this? You know, otherwise you just exhaust people. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, that's probably the hardest thing for me is I want to address everything. And sometimes I got to be like, hey, just let that one go. Yeah. Right. right. You yes. know, don't exhaust people. You know, that verse where it says husbands don't or fathers don't exhaust your children. Right. Exasperate them. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they if the Bible saying that to dads. As leaders, we can't exhaust our teammates. Right. right. We can't exhaust the people under us. Um, so I have to have a tension between like, you know, what is empowering and what is kind of micromanaging mm-hmm. and not necessarily on a task always, but just overall. Uh, Erica, what would you say about that? Like the tension between. Yeah. First of all, do you believe in micromanaging? When I say micromanaging, what do you think about? <laughs> I think that it has a negative connotation to the word, but I fully believe in it. That's so what I, I don't think that <laughs> you can record. properly empower somebody without a, a season or like a moment of micromanaging yeah. to really fully release them in what they're doing. Mm. And then if you release them and you don't manage them, now you just like sent them off with yeah really no right feedback there's no leash they just have gone right wow um and i think what i've learned over the years of like being on team with you and our team with micromanaging i think there's a level of com- of commitment that you have to have a lot of times it's just the person and knowing like this person needs me to follow up on these three areas after i've already communicated it mm. and i know that about them yeah and so i've just found like it's okay to fall. Like I, I know three certain people. I have to micromanage them on the same thing every yeah. time. Myself, I have to micromanage on the same thing mm. every time. And a lot of that's just working that out and mm-hmm. learning not to have to be micromanaged that way. Sure. Right. Um, but I think as as we're empowering people, understanding where their weaknesses are, so that mm. you can get ahead of it. Yeah. Great. And help. Right. Like I want to know where yeah. I need to be micromanaged so that I don't have to anymore. Right. Um, and so I think learning about the people that you're working with mm-hmm. and that you're on team with and helping them grow as you're growing. Right. Um, I think it's really important. Right. In, in that sphere of right. empowerment versus micromanaging. Good. And then knowing like knowing when to let something go, like you said, yeah. like you can't control everything. Right. And the biggest tension I found with 
empowerment and versus micromanaging is if you do it too much, now they're scared to make a move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have to pull you back in because you like got a little too passionate and you like did a little too much, then you don't make a move at all because I didn't tell you to. Yeah. So I think that's what I've been learning as a leader and building my team of, mm. I want to tell you how to do this, but I want you to feel like you can do this if I'm not here. Right. So right. I think finding that tension and letting people run. Yeah, it is. It is such an in, incredible tension. It yeah. really is, you know, and I, I could, I could argue both sides, right. You know, cause it's like, do we believe in empowerment? It's like, come on, what leader yeah, doesn't, we're talking about, you know, our model is Jesus. Who's like, okay, you 70, <laughs> two here, two there, two there, just have a go, pre have a go yeah. preach. Yeah. yeah. Shake mm -hmm. off the dust. They don't yeah. like you. You guys will be great. Yeah. <laughs> they come back You're and they're good. like, we saw Satan fall. <laughs> wow. You know, um, it's so I can argue that. So I can argue this side of, of micromanaging could also be argued as responsibility. Yeah. Right. Being responsible. Mm -hmm. I always feel this every Saturday. Every Saturday comes this big burden on me of responsibility. Yeah. Mm. That you're kind of, you know, under this like, hey, how's, you know, the parking How's, yeah. you know, right. like you just start thinking about all the details yep. that we're going in. And, and my feeling is always like, I just want to make sure I know that we're good. Yes. Right. Right. And if we just kind of just let people go out and just like, oh, we're going to trust them and there's no communication. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's always that tension. I feel like um, a lot of we, we talk about this. A lot of little meetings take a big meeting. Mm. Yeah. So it's not about micromanaging in terms of just staying on somebody with a constant communication. It's about, I think, having appropriate meetings that right. allow you to be in communication that you're kind of participating. I think most leaders get themselves in trouble when they're just like, have a go. Yes. Right. And, right. and abdicate the responsibility right. mm -hmm. of participating. Mm. Right. Because when you participate with people, it's like it, you're micromanaging me, but neither of I, neither of us would ever use that terminology. No. Right. So you're right. leading me. Right. You're leading, you're participating, yeah. you're right. with me. Yep. Yeah. We're doing right. this together. Yeah. So I think that's where it gets the bad connotation is like, right. hey, we're just, I'd rather have people go like, I'm just glad that I've got input. I've got mm. right. clear communication. I've got access to you. I've yes. got, yep. you know, we're talking about this three weeks before it, not three days before yeah. it. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? What do you say about this, Kelly? You have to do this all constantly. Yeah. yeah I... I believe in micromanaging. I think there's there's an aspect of trust building in that. I think if you're micromanaging, you're checking in, you're saying, how are you doing? Where are you at with this? Um, again, I always bring things back to sports. So, yeah. you know, we were a part of a team that watched film on ourselves practicing, not just games. We watched ourselves practicing. You know, if you don't know, you have a habit that you've built up. A lot of times wow. people have no idea that they do that. And it, it could be for a percentage or a, a millimeter of, did you know that your fingers did this when you yeah. play this sport? But I think in the same way, when you're teaching someone, there's a level of micromanaging where you right. have, it has such a bad connotation, but um, just checking in and, and saying, hey, I didn't throw you the ball and, and say, have a, have a great time out there. You know, you're going right. to do great, but coming alongside them and, and, you know, also correcting as they go, giving, letting them fail, but also being there to save them when they fail. You know, right. I think there's a, a level of, there's a lot of leaders that just point fingers because mm -hmm. it's like, well, they failed, you know, wow. and it's like, yeah. no, we, wow. I think we, yeah. leaders say, no, yep. we failed together. Yep. Like, let, let me teach you next time. We'll do it this way. Next time we'll just adjust a, a tiny bit. A lot of times it's just small, small conversations, but letting them have input, letting them have 
you know, just totally. able, able to dream in, in the same lane that you're running in just say, Hey, what, what do you think? Giving, giving an opportunity right. to talk, yeah. right. I think is huge, but yeah, I, I believe in micromanaging <laughs> for sure. <laughs> no, but I think most of the times when people fail, my first thought is what did I do wrong? Right. Yeah. Right. I same. set, I yeah. did not set them up. I, I missed it. I should have seen that. I should have had the ability to um, say this should have been turned in by this time. Right. Or, we should have walked through this. It all. I don't. I don't. I never think it's so and so's right fault. It's not it's, finger it's, pointing. It's mine. Right. It's my poor leadership. So, um, I think that's really, really important. We're we're talking about teams. We're talking about uh, conflict, micromanaging. All of this comes into play, and there becomes a amount of virtue that you give and energy right. that you're giving to you know, think and be a team lead. And there's conflict, and you you know. Um, with all that you're giving, how do you stay excited? Because there's, there's a lot going out. You know, like I always think yeah. one of my favorite stories when, and everybody preaches it, it's, you know, probably everybody's favorite passage as preachers to preach when the woman reaches out yeah. and right. and then Jesus goes, who touched me? And everybody wants to make that joke. Jesus, really? You're going to ask who touched you? Come on. You know everything. Like it's that classic. whole bit, right? It's that classic, classic preacher line. But I think what Jesus realized was that life went out from him. Yes. Wow. Virtue left him. Wow. Right. How do you, when you're giving so much away to team, teammates, uh, the organization, what's in your heart, how do you stay excited? I think for me personally, this is the, this is my biggest challenge. Yeah. Is how do I stay excited? We just turned four this Sunday. How do I stay excited about what I'm doing, about getting on planes and doing podcasts and preaching? How do I stay excited? What, what about for you guys? How do you guys stay excited? I think they both you looked want, at you, Nate. Yeah. So you're going, well, I think, was okay. Like that, was a clear, yeah, that was a natural okay. progression. Okay, great. You, you ended the question there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And... I think it takes intentionality is a big part of it. Yeah. And, you know, rest is part of it, you know, being healthy with your diet and your body, that that's all part of it. If yeah. you're not, then it's easy for just your body not to feel right. up. But I think keeping vision in front of you, this is a really simple one, is just finding wins to celebrate constantly. Yeah. So you could have a horrible, you know, quarter or you could have a bad Sunday yeah. or whatever, a bad launch for something. But if you can find something within that to still celebrate, yeah. this thing stays exciting. Yeah. It's when you chain together a bunch of losses or you chain together a bunch of negative things yeah. and don't celebrate or call out even the smallest thing, then yeah. it stops being exciting. Huge. Right? But then if you can chain a few of those wins together, yeah. all of a sudden it's, you know, when you're winning, it, everything goes well. Right. Yeah. And that's part of it. I think the other part is keeping the goal in front of you, keeping the vision in front of you, keeping progress in front of you. Yep. As soon as that gets behind you, you go from excitement to exhaustion really fast. Yeah, yeah. And you just start doing tasks. You know, right. you just start showing up to work. Yep. You know. Yeah. But if you can keep it in front of you, you're like, oh my gosh, we're going somewhere. Right. Can you see it? I can't right. wait for that thing. We took a yeah. step closer. You know, you get a little excited. And I think introducing new faces, you know, in our context, yes. introducing new faces onto our teams, yep. introducing new elements. You know, if it, if you're in a leadership organization, maybe outside of a church and yeah. you're not adding to your team constantly, yeah. adding new facets, you know, going to, yeah. you know, getting out of the office and yeah. going to have fun, you know, going to the 
beach for us is so you know whatever yeah. to the movies just doing something to keep this thing lively and new and fresh new segments yep. yeah new absolutely segments, yeah speaking of segments we're going to take a break right here i want to pick this back up and talk about what keeps you guys you know going and your know, cup full uh but we're going to go to this episode's top five top five leadership lean in for this month's episode let's check it out Okay, this month's top five leadership lean in. I want to talk about the idea of becoming a wise master builder. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul says that he's not just a builder, he's a master builder. Whatever you're doing, whatever sphere of influence you have, I don't want you just to do it. I want you to become the best at it. We don't want to just build. We want to become master builders. I love this about uh, Jim Collins' book, From Good to Great. We don't want to just do the good stuff. We want to do the great stuff. I believe that for your life and your leadership, there is greatness all over you. Why do I believe this? Because you have been made by God and you've been made and created to do good works, great works, becoming a wise master builder. I want to show you uh, five things. These are all things that wise master builders carry. Here's the first one, right number one, down number one. So great leaders carry, number one, they're always leaning in to learn. I love this. They're always taking the time, never arriving, never coasting off their education, never saying, I figured it out. No, they're taking time. They're always leaning in to learn. Teach me what I don't know. Uh, one of my favorite books is called The Things I've Learned Since I Knew It All. Maybe you think that you know it all. You and I don't know a thing. We don't know a fraction or a percent of what we should know and what we need to know. You need help. I need help. We need mentors. We need podcasts. We need YouTubes. We need to lean in. And whatever you lean into, it leans back into you. And that's why it's called leadership leaning. You and I are just taking time to lean into the culture and to the subject of leadership. And as we lean into leadership, it's going to lean back into us and we're going to become better. The best leaders I know are consumed with learning more. They're avid book readers. They ask questions. Uh, one of my favorite things about Pastor Greg Rochelle, last summer I was in his city and he texted me and said, would you like to have lunch? And so long story short, I got to go have lunch with one of my favorite leaders, Pastor Craig. I was a little bit nervous, the biceps. And uh, I walked in and he had prepared questions for my time with him. Uh, he starts asking me questions. I go, Pastor Craig, this is inappropriate. You're not going to ask me questions. I'm here to learn from you. I had all my questions prepared and written down in my notes. But here is a guy that has a church of over 100,000, over a million people subscribed to his monthly podcast, and he's asking me questions. Yeah, because wise master builders are always leaning in to learn a little bit more. Here's the second thing. The blame always starts with them. They're never throwing people under the bus. Don't be a leader that blames others for where you're at. Don't be someone that's, you know, saying it's so-and-so's fault and if they could pick up the slack and if they do their job. No, it, responsibility always starts with me. Where we are, all the failure and the blame starts with me and all the success and the praise goes to the team. Great leaders, wise master builders are the first people to go, I'm the problem. 
I'm the cog in the wheel. I'm the one that's bottlenecking. I need to change. I need to evolve. And because they're willing to uh, reinvent, because they're willing to evolve, because they're willing to grow with their organization, they're the ones that become the wise master builders. You'll never get anywhere blaming so-and-so for, I just love this about Joseph. He didn't blame his brothers for putting him in a pit or a palace or Potiphar's house or Pharaoh's kingdom. He, he said, God chose to raise me this way. Take responsibility. Let it be a God thing and a you thing for where you're at. Number three, they're happy in their grace. This is so important. Don't tolerate your grace. Celebrate your grace. Don't just go like, yeah, this is my grace. I always think, an inferior spirit compares themselves with others and says, I'm not as good as so-and-so. Uh, I just get, I got given one or I got given three, but so-and-so got given five. You know what? Here's my, here's my value. If I've only got one talent, I'm going to go partner with the five talent and together we got six and together we're just going to have a good time. I'm happy in my grace. I'm secure in my calling. I'm confident in who God created me to be. I'm excited about his plan for my life. Until you get there, you can't build anything great and you can't attract anybody great. People want to follow a secure leader. People around, be around, they want to be around someone that's comfortable in their own skin. So leadership starts with you going, you know what? God's got a plan for my life. I've got a call from God himself. I've got a future that he's laid out. And it's not just of obscurity. It's not just of inferiority. No, it's plans to prosper. I've got a hope and I've got a future. And when you start getting happy in your grace, other people start coming along and going, hey, tell me about your grace. Tell me about your lane. How did you get to be so secure? Well, I didn't get secure comparing myself with somebody else. I became secure of fixing my eyes on who God's called me to be and fixing my eyes on God. Be confident, be courageous, be secure, love yourself. Until you love yourself, you can't love somebody else. That's why the the, the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. I'll never love others if I don't love me. I got to love me and love my grace. Uh, write down number four, uh, faith for more. Wise master builders, they always see more and they always see more before anybody else. No one else can see your dreams. No one else can see that vision. There's more in your life and more for your future. And you got to have faith. What is faith? It is belief. It is trust. It is confidence. I've got belief and I've got trust and I've got confidence that I've seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come. And the best builders believe, yeah, what I just built is great, but we're about to build something even stronger, even better, even greater than before. The best builders to me never sit back in their lazy boy recliner chairs and uh, cheers to so-and-so and let's just sit back and let's survey and let's you know drink the fruit of our labor and let's just enjoy what we've built. No, they're, they're hungry and they're passionate for more. I love this about Hillsong Church and Pastor Brian Houston. Just when you think they've accomplished enough, they go and plan another campus. They go start a Hillsong channel. They put out another album. They release it for the next generation. They're empowering more communicators and more leaders, and they're taking more ground. They're never satisfied with what they've built because wise master builders have faith for, say it, 
more. I heard you say it. Here's the last one. Number five, they live a life that inspires. In in actuality, what you built is not going to inspire everybody. But who you are will inspire every person you encounter. Most people that interact with you, they don't even know what you've built. And quite frankly, the people on the outside of your context might not appreciate what you've built. But they will appreciate they will be inspired by the life that you live. It's not what you're building that's going to inspire everybody. It's who you are. It's the lifestyle you live. It's the sacrifice and the faith, the generosity, the kindness, the joy, the peace that you carry. It's the spirit of who you are that speaks louder than you, whatever you're going to build. So remember, our goal is to become wise master builders, but don't be consumed with building. Be consumed with becoming. That's this month's top five leadership leaning. All right, perfect. So I want to pick that back up. We're talking about what keeps us excited, you know, what keeps us going. When you were talking, it reminded me of what Andy Stanley always says, that vision leaks. Right. Yeah. I had to keep the vision not in the team. I got to keep the vision in me. Right. right. Yeah. And that's the, the hard part about yeah. it. Um, Erica, what, what would you say? Like, how do you, how do you stay up and, and yeah. motivated? I think, um, I've known you and Julia for over 10 years. Like we've done a lot of church. I've been in a lot of church services. Right. Um, and I think over the years I've had to learn, I've had to mature and take on the thinking of like you're planting yourself in the house mm. and it's I think it's really easy to stop getting excited about the thing that we're doing Mm -hmm. and it becomes ordinary. It's like a marriage. You have to constantly pour into it and it brings new life out of you. Mm, Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And I think keeping the excitement in work and in church and in ministry Mm. is remembering the house, like remembering what we do and yeah. what it does to people right and what our mission is right. as a whole right um that's like a sounds kind of lofty but i think it's really um it is what carries like your inner man like so to speak yes totally is is that and i think that if you lose that sensitivity to the holy spirit you lose mm. that sensitivity mm. to like the the very practical thing of God is like you plant, I'll flourish. Like yep, just right. keep your feet yep, here. Yep. And it might not feel exciting in the moment. Right. But you when you reap like the harvest, so to speak, when you right. experience what you stayed in for so long, yeah. You're like, oh, that's why. Right. Here I am. Wow. Right. So like I guess what I'm saying is you don't you're not meant to feel excited every day. That's right. it. That's right. it. And I so think true. I think there's something to be said about people and this is what I this is the biggest lesson I've learned honestly since knowing you and Julia and being in ministry is like if you could just stay yep and keep your right. feet where they're at yeah like it will start things will start pulling growing up in front of wow. your yeah. eyes that you're right, like right. I never even dreamed of that right 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 and I think that's what makes you excited yep. for the new day totally right. you know and like there's, you know, now we get excited about like ways to organize our storage <laughs> right. and that's exciting to me. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like four years ago, I was super excited that we were on Sunset Boulevard. Like yeah. I think as you mature that's with it. the church yep. and you right. mature with the vision, that's right. you just are excited about new things. Yep, and right. if you find yourself like 
you're not excited anymore. I, I, I guess the roadblock that maybe you're at is that you're not reinventing yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where you get stuck. Well, I think right. uh, two things out of what you just said. Number one is that I don't have to live excited. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't have to live that way. I have to live disciplined. Inconsistent. Right. And my disciplines are what create some eventual excitement. Yes. Right. So, you know, it's it, it always goes back to like self-feeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I listened to this great podcast recently with uh, John Townsend, you know, from uh, Cloud and Townsend, you know, the Boundaries book. And I just consume them and what they have. I just think they're brilliant. But he talked about, he said, most leaders, they think about uh, you need enough sleep, you need good nutrition, you need to exercise. That's just going to keep you excited, your disciplines. He said, but most leaders don't realize that what actually keeps us really excited in life is relationships. Yeah. And so we think it's like the vision, it's the discipline. He's like, but actually, um, most leaders have relationships that are all drains. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Right. And they don't have relationships that are gains. Right. So how do you, in your life, wow. how do you have some relationships? Like, you know, for when, for us, for, you know, our example, for we just got back from Idaho. Now, did I want to go to Idaho? <laughs> you know, first thought is, I don't know if I'm on vacation. I don't be the best time. And it's not about what we're doing. Right. It's about who we're with. Right. And there's some relationships, uh, guys like Jason Kennedy, guys like Rich Jr. That for me, getting around them, I'm just laughing the whole right. time. It's right. an unplug. It's a reset. And those are gains for yeah. me. So I get, I come back into my context. I'm excited. Yes. Right. 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 Was it my Bible reading? Yeah, I read my Bible every morning. That's great. And it was also there. The right. discipline was also there. Yeah. But then the gains of relationship, right. I think most leaders get themselves in trouble because they just go like discipline, discipline, robot, robot. Yeah. And wow. you got to sometimes go like, I just need a friend right now. Right. right. Yeah. I think somebody I can be vulnerable with right. and someone I can talk to about, so like, these are my roadblocks. These are my right. issues right now. This is what I'm frustrated about. And Gaines' relationships to me are not all, like, Idaho vacations. They're also authentic, genuine relationships right. of connectivity right. where I can yeah. connect with somebody wow. and actually... I feel like a breakfast with somebody or a lunch with somebody could do more than a vacation sometimes yeah, right. Right. because it's, it's like, really good. man, it's getting me back excited just being able to relate with you and talk right. with you about right. my real so issues yeah. Yeah. helps put wind in my sails to stay excited about the vision and the task. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Kelly, what, what do you think about how do you keep going? How do you continue your moxie? <laughs> There's the word. Sorry, we word talked about day. it before we recorded it. Day. Moxie, yeah. great word. word great word. Um, Is that with yeah. an X? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use it in a sense. Yeah. Um, no, I think there's like a level of personal leadership in that, just self-identifying yeah. where I'm at. What do I need today? What do I need this week? What's our season like? And I think yeah. realistically, our lives move pretty quick. So yeah. identifying that, you know, a month could go by and you can say, oh, I haven't, I haven't really like spent time you know, seeing friends or even like having real authentic conversation. Right. Um, But I also identify that a lot of times when I'm saying I'm not getting poured into, it's like, well, have I poured into anybody? I think um, a lot of, a lot of times my cup will be filled when I'm having more of a pastoral conversation that you go into thinking, I'm just going to pour into this person and not get anything in return. And then you leave and you're like, this is what it's all about. And you, you get so filled from that. So I think, yeah, you know, just identifying when you're like, it's all about me. I need, yeah. I need this. I need this. No one's pouring into me. It's like, well, who are you pouring yeah. into? Yeah. Um, 
And sometimes you're surprised by right. by that, but just self-identifying. I need a friend right now. I need an honest conversation. I need to, you know, vent in a healthy way to a mm. friend, um, a friend that's trusted, a, tr- a friend that's going to guide you back to yeah. uh, the right direction and not just someone who's going to let you blow off steam to, to blow off steam, but just right. someone who's um, has the same values, same beliefs, and just realizing that for yourself. Totally. So well said. I, I think... Um, the last thing I want to talk about today is so you know we're covering teens and then, then there's conflict with teens and because of everything you deal with from an emotional uh, outtake um, you, you have to really be careful about staying excited and one of the things that happens when people don't stay excited or because of the conflict or because of the team dynamic uh, there's a lot of departure mm-hmm. right. wow in our business especially the turnover can be you know right. in some cases pretty rapid um, in cities that are transient, like Los Angeles, it could even be more rampant than you know rural areas. Um, but I want to talk about that this idea of church hopping, church hoppers, yeah. which I think right away you smiled because I think they get a negative connotation. Right. And I don't even know if there is that many of them or if they're this bad group. I don't, I don't see them that right, way. Right. A lot of times when people transition from a church, in my opinion, I think this about people. Number one, people go to church where they want to. Yeah. And people go to church where their friends go. Yep. Right. So that's kind of like always a safe bet. They're going to go to where they like to go and they're going to go where their friends are. <laughs> but sometimes there is the exception that someone leaves and they leave poorly or they leave bad right. because um, the grass is greener on the other side right. or um, I've gotten all the fun I could get out of here yeah. wow. and the novelty of it wore yeah. off. And so I want to go check out that you know, thing down the street. The thing about leaving a church to me that I think people discover maybe after two or three times is, oh, wait a second. I'm the common denominator yeah, of the problem. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't know Every if it's time. the church. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about like you, you've had team members leave, you've had people, you know, leave the, leave your organization. Um, what would you say? What would be the encouragement to somebody to stay? What's on it? What's on the other side of staying? Mm-hmm. You know, staying in the team and staying with the vision and staying committed and staying faithful. You know, what would you encourage somebody? I remember Pastor Jude, someone I look up to, he was like, after five years of being in one spot, he was like, oh, you hit your fifth year. You're just now going to start to see your fruit. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was like, oh, my gosh, so many people have missed out yes. on their investment. Right. Because they left before it got really good. Right. Right. What would you what would you say to that, Erica? We'll start with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I love what you said. I think you follow yourself wherever you go. Yeah. yeah. And so if you leave on bad terms or maybe, you know, you left because of a preference or whatever, um, the novelty will eventually wear off in your new church. Mm. And then that same problem will yeah. come up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that what to your point is if you can learn to stay, you'll grow. Yeah. Right. But if you keep leaving at like a three year mark, maybe mm. two and a half years, three years, you're going to stunt your growth. Yeah. Right. Because right. you're only going to grow to that level of the maturity that you have until you don't have the maturity to understand where if you could just stay. Yeah. What's on the other side. Yeah. And then I think um, on the bigger picture of church mm. is there's like a consumer and mm. there's like mm. a church builder. There's you're more than a volunteer. You're a participant now of this church. It's your home. Mm. And when you have a home, you invest in your home. Ownership. You make your home better. Mm. You bring people inside of your home. Mm. And so I think my thought on 
church hopping is just when is it going to be home for you? And then yep. when are you yeah. going to make wow. that place better? Yeah. Wow. Because there's a call in your life. Mm. And if you keep hopping, your call becomes so like God can't do much with the call that just keeps moving around. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I, th- that's my thought on if you go to this church, what are you doing mm. to help it? Yeah. Right. Are you adding the gift that God mm. gave you mm. and using it to its full potential? Right. Or do you get so bored or so disgruntled that you go somewhere else mm. and now you've done a disservice to the thing that God put on your life? Yeah. And a disservice to the church that's being built in that wow. community. Right? Yeah. So that's always just been my thought on yeah. church. And I've had the privilege of being in church in one church for all the whole time. Like I only know Zoe, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, right. and I only know the church I got sick. Like I only know two places in yeah. my life right. in wow. church. And I've watched God do a lot in me in yeah. the, in that time. And I just couldn't imagine going yeah. somewhere else and feeling the depth that I have now. Not that I'm like such a deep person, but I just right, mean right. like God deposits wow. a lot in you when you stay. Right. Yeah, totally. So I was thinking yeah. about it. This might seem like an extreme example, but I almost think about like a marriage. Yes. Yeah, you know, like I don't want to be down in my, you know, fifth or seventh right. marriage. Right. There's something about just staying committed to this relationship. Yeah. I think it has to do with the ability of being assigned to a place. Right. I agree. And when you're assigned to a place, um, you're not as critical there is no perfect church. There's right. no perfect place. There's no perfect leader. No. And so instead of looking at going like it has, we have these problems. Ah, it's like I want to be a part of the solution. Yeah, right. you know, I want to help take it to the next level. Yeah. I'm not going to be critical or maintain right. a critical spirit. Um, whenever you're just a spectator, it's mm-hmm. always easy to criticize. Yeah, so right. easy. If you're a participator, it's there's ownership and shared responsibility of going like, how can I help this thing get a little bit right. better? Yep. Yeah. I get fearful for people that hop around because I don't think that they'll ever get to this place of true ownership. Yes. Yes. The back door is always kind of open. Yep. And so there's that kind of hireling spirit that's just kind of like, ah, I just, I can come and go. It's transactional a little bit. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I had the thought of like, what else does that play into in your life? Like if you can't commit to the house, how do you commit in relationship? How do you commit in your career? Like, I think it all plays in together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, cause, cause no matter what relationship you're in, you're going to hit a quitting point. Right. You're gonna, and you're going to hit it again. Yep. And then you're going to hit it again. And right. You're gonna hit it. And you just keep on powering through mm-hmm. and persevering. That's any relation. That's any close friendship. Right. That's right. marriage. That's your workplace that you guys got to keep on uh, breaking through. I get I get sad because I don't think a lot of people that hop um, or, you know, just leave churches uh, flippantly understand the stakes of it. Yeah. yeah. What's that stake of their growth? Right. right. Exactly. What, what would you say, Kelly? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think even Pastor Jensen in the last leadership lean in touched yeah. on favor. Like he always prays for favor. I think mm-hmm. that comes when you are planted. Doesn't yes. you know, you, you're praying for favor, you want to be known and needed at your church. Um, but that comes with serving the church. Mm. You know, you don't it doesn't start to get fun until you're on a team. It doesn't yeah. start yeah. to get fun until you're a part of the solution and can be a part of the win and the yeah. excitement of the win and, wow. and achieving goals. Yep. Um but yeah, I think where you're planted, you'll grow. And yeah. that's that's for everything you mentioned. Like it's with a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, we're, you know, five years into marriage and we are on our second kid and, and it's exciting because there's commitment there and mm-hmm. there's um it's disarming to know like it's not an option for us to give up. And I think yeah. that goes for your organization, your team, your church, you mm-hmm. know, just 
coming in and saying, I'm not giving up. This is my church this is my home. Mm, I'm a part yeah. of the solution. I've identified problems, but I, I want to fix it. Who can I talk to about yeah. this? Um, but also identifying the vehicles of like, you know, I want community, join a connect group. I think there's a yeah. lot of yeah, times so people good. leave and they're like, I didn't have community. And it's like, we had all these options for yeah, you yeah, to yeah, yeah. find community, find friends, yeah. uh, things like that. So just knowing that a lot of times, unfortunately, I think we are the problem. Yeah. Ourselves are the problem. Wow. Um, and just being able to recognize that. Totally. But also, you know, I just had this conversation with someone actually uh, on my team um, and just staying sweet. You know, yeah. you always say right. that, but just yeah. stay sweet with people. Um, right. We were able to navigate and say, oh, she's going to stay. She's amazing. She loves it here. It was just there's always something deeper behind yeah. it. Yes. You know, so I think we've always learned that, that when people always, right. you know, anytime there's conflict or a problem, there's always something behind what is being said. Yep. Uh, so we identified it and, you know, we addressed it. But because I praise God stayed sweet at the beginning and, yeah. and wow. talked it through with right. her. I wasn't so just good. like, well, you're out, you know, yeah. I was yeah. like, no, you have equity with me. I'm right. in it with you. Yep. Um, if it is, if you do want to go, I'd love to introduce you to a new church to get planted. Yes. You yeah. know, right. like we're, we're after people's souls. We're after people flourishing in a house um, and getting planted. So if it's not here, let me help you get plugged in and, and get planted there. Yeah. Yep. You know? yep. That's awesome. Because if they don't, they'll miss out on their moxie. <laughs> True. That got me. See what I did? There? <laughs> Phenomenal. Nate, wrap us up. We're we're coming to the end of the episode. What, what would you say? What would you encourage somebody that's kind of even right now considering they're frustrated in their context yeah. and they're feeling like I got to get out? Sure. What, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say that commitment is the most desired and least mm. given commodity in our culture. Mm. Everyone wants commitment, but they won't give it yeah. until they get it. Yeah. And so to making the choice right now, if you're on the fence, whether or not you should stay somewhere, go yeah. make the choice. I'm going to choose to be committed even before they choose to commit. It's great. And then you just watch, watch and see as you're committed, all of a sudden it'll be reciprocated mm. and you'll begin to grow, you begin to see things differently and you begin, you become an owner, yeah. not just an employee or a participator. It's yeah. great. Right. You guys, this was fun. This, this was great. Really I feel like we need to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when, but um, <laughs> cheers, cheers, mates. Cheers, mate. cheers. Cheers to another good one. Ugh.